You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou... Oh, will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord, uh, well, I'll start by praying for this battery, please. <laughs> but also, Lord, I want to ask that you would be with us. Lord, we are blessed in this Advent season to come to this house of praise and to receive what only you can give through your word. We ask, Lord, that you deepen our appreciation of that, that you renew our faith, that you strengthen us in our witness, that we may bless others as we have been blessed. This we ask as we come to your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome to Gaudete Sunday. Um, you may have noticed on our Advent wreaths, or even with our banners, that the third candle along is a different color than the other ones. It's pink, um, or rose, technically rose. I, my, my daughter will correct me on these colors. I feel like I live at the Crayola factory. Um, this is the Sunday of joy. So named because of the, the words in the prayers for that day. Um, and... I thought it was worthwhile to reflect a little bit on joy this morning as we go to our scriptures. C.S. Lewis was one of the great authors, certainly of the last hundred years, one of the great Christian authors, maybe of the last 500 years, one of the greatest Christian authors. And in his autobiography, Surprised by Joy, he has a wonderful description of what joy is. He said, joy is, is more than just mere happiness. Happiness comes and goes. Joy is a happiness so deep and so piercing, it cuts us to the quick. And we can't sustain it in this world. But it's so amazing and so overwhelming that when it passes, we would rather have the sadness of remembering it than to have never experienced it at all. And Lewis saw in this evidence that we were made for a world that's not this world. Because if that longing is in us, it can only be satisfied some other place. But if we are blessed, we have a few of those moments in our lives to hold on to as a foretaste of the feast to come. As I was preparing the message I felt called to preach this this weekend, um, I was thinking about some of those times in my life. And um, the ones that come right to the top for me are the births of my children. Um, it happened with both of them, but I'm going to reflect on the birth of my son, mostly because he was first. Um, and it was my first experience of it. I was there in the delivery room, as fathers are privileged to be now, and um, he was a long time uh, in coming. And his circulation had gotten kind of low, so he came, came out shivering with cold. His body temperature had dropped. And so they handed him to me and they said, take him to the heating table. Um, and it's probably the last time he was ever cold because the kid runs around in a t-shirt in like mid-January. <laughs> but as I carried his tiny body in my hands and he was shaking, 
I just knew I would never be the same again. I knew that the happiness I felt at that moment had changed me forever. And that, God forbid, we should ever be separated by circumstance or that he should predecede me in death. I would never wish I had never had a son so that I didn't experience the pain of his loss. That, that is the joy that, that Lewis was pointing to. But I know there's a moment coming in my life that will way overwhelm that moment and every other moment like it. It's the moment when what I only perceive now by faith, I will perceive with my senses. It's that moment when faith will become sight, when I will see my Lord with my own eyes, as Job said. When I will hear his voice with my own ears, when maybe like Mary Magdalene in the garden, I'll reach to embrace his feet, but he will reach out to embrace me with his nail-pierced hands. That moment will overwhelm every other moment of joy because every other moment of joy was only leading up to that one. And that moment will secure every other moment of joy I ever had in my life for eternity and fix it fast. That is the joy we recall to mind and we look forward to on the third Sunday in Advent as we get ever closer to the coming of our Lord in the Christmas season. And we, each of us, everyone here, is only looking forward to that because someone shared with us the story of Jesus. Like John the Baptist in today's reading from the Gospel, someone prepared the way for the Lord to come into our hearts by telling us the story of the Lord and all that He has done for us. There is a golden thread that leads from you back through whoever told you the Gospel, back to whoever told them the Gospel, back generation after generation to the very people who were there on that first Christmas night and who told their story that later Luke or Matthew could write it down. Back through the apostles, people have been faithfully telling the story of Jesus that the Holy Spirit might use that opportunity to kindle faith in the hearts of those who hear it. It's a tremendous, tremendous gift we have been given if we look forward to joy and life eternal, it's because someone gave us that gift out of their love for us and their love for their Savior. I know there are twisted reasons people can share their religion. Some people are control freaks and just need everyone to agree with them. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Most people share the love of their Savior out of love for their Savior with the other people in their lives they love. Real evangelism is rooted in real relationships because we want to share what's important to us with the people we love, just like we want to share our favorite songs and our favorite recipes and all the other things we love in our lives. And we need to do it when we do it 
The best way to do it is to do it the way we see people like John doing it in today's reading. John is promoting, glorifying Christ, not himself. He will elsewhere in the Gospels say, I must decrease and he must increase. And when other scriptural characters get the opportunity to give their testimony, they do something similar. Now, in, look at Peter. Peter had a great personal story to tell about Jesus. He betrayed Jesus three times on the day in which, or the night before Jesus is crucified in the early morning hours. And three times Jesus commissions him again to go forth and feed his lambs by sharing that story with others, by sharing the story of what Jesus had done. St. Paul equally. I mean, this is the kind of ex religious experience we all want, right? I mean, he's on, his road, on the way to Damascus and God literally... Damascus, excuse me, God literally knocks him off his donkey. Now that's, I mean, I'd like that. I'd like if God called me on a little red phone. That would be great. <laughs> but when Peter and Paul are asked to give their testimonies, Peter in the book of Acts, he doesn't tell anything about his personal relationship with Jesus. What he tells is what Jesus has done for the whole world in the mighty acts of salvation that those people were there in Jerusalem to see. He helped them understand what they had seen and recalled the story for them. Equally so, Paul. When Paul had lots of opportunities. Most of your New Testament is Paul's letters. Paul never tells his own conversion story. The only reason we have it is that Luke wrote it down in the book of Acts. Paul, again and again and again, points to what Jesus has done in the world as the reason for us to believe. He points us not to his truth, but to the truth. And it's important for us to remember that. Now, I'm not discouraging you from sharing your personal testimony what, what Jesus has done in your life. That can be, that's good window dressing and it bring, brings a personal dimension to what we're sharing. But if I'm asked why I believe in Jesus, I don't tell them because I have had these personal spiritual experiences in my life, although I've had them. Because the person I'm talking to doesn't have access to those. What they have access to is the same history of what God has done in the world that I have. And it's especially important in this moment in history to remember this. Because some church cultures so emphasize personal conversion that they view testimony in Scripture as telling your personal story of Jesus, of what Jesus has done in your personal life. They'll often look at things like Revelations 12, 11, which says that we triumph over Satan, or the saints triumph over Satan by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they think that means tell your personal story about Jesus. But everywhere in Scripture, we see someone in the Bible give a testimony. It's about what Jesus has done in the mighty acts of salvation. How I came to believe is interesting, and that's, again, it's a nice, like, addendum to the story. But it's not the story, it's not the truth. It's important for us to remember this at this moment in history, because, here's the truth, we live in a moment in history where truth has been personalized and so obliterated. 
I'll give you an example. We were watching a comedy that we, we love to watch. And uh, in, one of, in this one episode, one of the characters is coming out to her parents, who were very conservative. And um, I'm less interested in that part of the story than, than when she's going to her friends for advice. And one of her friends says, well, just tell them that this is your personal truth. And if they love you, they'll embrace it. A personal truth is no truth at all. That's just a way of saying there is no truth and all of us have nothing to share with one another. <laughs> See, when we say to people in this day and age, I believe in God, and we think we're saying there's this entity called God and he's actually there and I actually believe in him. But what they often hear us saying is, oh, you're the kind of person who needs to believe in God. We need to share what God has done in history that everyone has access to, in experiences everyone has access to through the historical documents and through the evidence in archaeology and all the rest of it. Because that is the anchor for our personal testimony and our personal faith. The gospel is that God has given his life for you in the person of Jesus. Pastor Howard Hendricks, who taught for many years at Dallas Theological Seminary, said, we live in an age screaming for reason, screaming for reasons to believe, for answers to their questions, and Christians are stuttering. He knew whereof he spoke because he knew the danger in that and he knew the power in speaking clearly and testifying clearly because he told this story that affected his own life. He came to faith in Christ as a young boy and ever from that time he was always concerned about whether the people around him had come to faith as well, whether they knew the story of Jesus and trusted in him, especially his father. His father was a hard-bitten army soldier who had seen action on multiple continents. He talked tough, he smoked tough, he was tough. And as he said, we weren't especially close because of that, but every time his dad went into a combat theater, he was worried about his father and his relationship with God. Whenever he tried to talk to his father about it, his dad would say, oh, don't worry, son, when I meet God, he and I will work it out. Like... Like God's a Pentagon official, and you know, if I disobey his orders, we'll just kind of work it out. <laughs> um, so the family would pray earnestly for him, and um, life would go on. Well, when he grew up, he became a famous uh, speaker and preacher. He was a friend of Billy Graham's. He taught at the seminary, and a lot of audio tapes were made of his lectures and things like these, and they were passed around. This is before YouTube, folks. Um, and one time, there was a, name, a gentleman named Butch Hardman was getting on an airplane, and someone said, have you ever heard Hendrix? You ought to listen to him. He didn't mean Jimmy. So he hands, hands him a tape, and um, on that tape, Pastor Hendrix, in the context of what he was teaching about, shared this story of his concern for his father, George. And this man, Butch Hardman, just felt touched and decided to start praying earnestly for this man he never met, George Hendrix because it, his, Pastor Hendricks' story was so similar to his own. It was his own father. And so he just started praying for George. 
So he meets Pastor Hendricks at a pastor's conference in Philadelphia. They don't really get to talk much. They just shake hands. It's the only time they meet uh, after the conference and life goes on. So a few years later, uh, Pastor Hendricks is in his office at the seminary and the phone rings. He says, hello, is this uh, Howard Hendricks? Yes. Are you busy? No, 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 I'm not. I'm just doing some studying. And he says, oh, are you sitting down? Yeah, why? Your father just accepted Christ tonight. Pastor Hendricks says he leapt from his feet, leapt to his feet and shouts at the phone, What do you mean? <laughs> How did that happen? He says it wasn't maybe the best reaction for an evangelist to have. <laughs> and Butch Hardman on the other end of the line told the story. He pastored a small church in Arlington, small enough that he needed to drive bus to make ends meet. And as he had dropped off his last passenger for the day, um, he was driving the bus back to park it, and he saw a man standing on a street corner. And he said, that looks a lot like Howard Hendricks. And just on a whim, he pulls over to the side of the road, opens the bus door, and says, are you Howard Hendricks' father? And George Hendricks looks at him and says, yeah, you one of his students? He says, no, no, but he, he's, he has helped me in so many ways. Can I buy you a cup of coffee? <laughs> well, George Hendricks got like this as soon as he found out he met a preacher because he met a lot of them. <laughs> and he didn't want to be preached at. And Butch didn't preach at him. They just became friends. They shared, a, they shared a lot of meals. They shared a lot of drinks. George Hendricks regaled him with tales of warfare and all kind of crazy stuff that had happened in his life. And they just became fast friends. For years, for a long time, Butch never invited him to church. They just became friends. During the course of that, he found out that George Hendricks was suffering from terminal throat cancer from the cigars he'd smoked for all those years. As Pastor Hartman was getting ready to hop on a plane to the Holy Land, and, pa and George Hendricks was convalescing, he was, he was sitting by his bedside and realized they might never meet again in this world. And he said, George, you have told me a lot of stories over these last few years. Can I tell you one? He'd earned the trust of George Hendricks. So George Hendricks agreed. And what Pastor Hardman shared was not the story of the crazy coincidence that connected them, not the story of his own conversion, but rather the story of Jesus' midnight visit to a man named Nicodemus from the Gospel of John, the third chapter. And if you know that chapter, it's at the conclusion of that story that we hear these words, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. It was at that time that George Hendricks bowed his head and bowed his heart and received the Savior his son had been praying for 42 years he would receive. When Pastor Hardman got up to leave, he pulled his frail body out of that bed and gave him one final salute and said, I guess I have a new commander-in-chief now.
When Pastor Hendricks visited his father for the last time, he said his body was frail and eaten away by the cancer. I'd never seen him so weak, but I'd never seen his spirit so virile as he looked forward to his joy being made complete in the world to come. It's not our job to bring people to faith, but it is our job to share the story of our Savior so that the Holy Spirit can use that opportunity to bring them to faith. You are the last link in the golden chain that goes all the way back to the apostles. And you, in the very brief time between when you receive Christ in faith and you go to meet him in glory, you have the opportunity to share his story with others. In doing so, I promise you that your own faith will be strengthened and the joy you look forward to experiencing in his presence will be renewed. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, we thank you for the gift that you have given us. The high privilege of knowing and serving our Savior in this life. And the gift of faith by which we receive him. Make us courageous and fearless as our opening hymn said, O Lord. Help us to be like John the Baptist and prepare the way for you in other people's lives. May we adorn the sharing of your story with truly godly and sanctified lives. May we be articulate when the moment comes to share your story. And may we hear it again and again so that we know it by heart. This we ask in the precious name of you who are our Savior, Jesus. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Sleeping, my presence, my life.